Hey, what's up? I'm Anthony. And I'm Dan. And we are J&J Missions, spreading the gospel by all means, one soul at a time. We give live talks, we make YouTube videos, and you can find us all over social media. And as you probably figured, we have a podcast. Whether we're giving spiritual tips, deliberating about current events, or talking saints and devotionals, we want to bring the Catholic faith to you in a totally orthodox, yet relatable, down-to-earth way. If you want to support us, head over to our website, www.jmjmissions.com. Hello, everybody. Good day to you. Good afternoon. Good morning, whatever it is. We are JMJ Missions, the JMJ Missions podcast. We have a really interesting topic uh, today. It's Halloween. You know, well, it's not Halloween yet, but it's October. So it's rapidly approaching Halloween season. Before uh, we get into any of that, though, one thing I wanted to mention that's been on my mind is that uh, we really appreciate you listening. We get a consistent amount of listeners now. We have a, like an actual sincere base of listeners that we see um, every single podcast. So for those that consistently listen, we want to say thank you because our whole goal with this podcast is to kind of like feel like we're hanging out, having a really uh, good, sometimes deep discussion on Catholic topics, hopefully driven by the Holy Spirit, but in a relaxed, casual, friendly way. And like we want you to feel like you're just hanging out with us uh, because, you know, spiritually, if you're listening to this podcast, you are connected to us and you are our friend. So we kind of are all hanging out as friends, and we're really glad that you're joining us for these uh, for these podcasts, for these discussions, and hopefully they help you spiritually, give you some spiritual juice moving forward for the week. So the topic today, ghosts and demons, real juicy. As we said, we're trying to get like you know juicier podcasts going uh, with this season. So we couldn't think of anything better than ghosts and demons in the October you know month. Uh, before we get into any of that, though, uh, Anthony, uh, stuff in the world the topic what do we have yes well right now a lot of people are talking about this new disney movie that came out and it's hocus pocus 2 is that the correct title i don't even know yeah hocus pocus 2 yeah so i saw the original hocus pocus back in the day in my childhood and i used to like it back then so you know it's kind of a classic halloween movie Um, but i know a lot of people are talking about it but i haven't seen it yet so have either of you seen this yet so i actually saw just the opening last night and it was enough to give me some spiritual food for thought number one how different disney is than it was in thir- even like 30 years ago when that first hocus pocus came out for example um, and a lot of disney movies one thing i noticed is witchcraft and like occult practices historically in disney movies like i said including the first hocus pocus is frowned upon like witchcraft is the source of evil in a lot of disney movies and rightfully so you know like you're trying to teach kids not to get involved with that stuff you know so in the first Hocus Pocus, you know, there's three witches, the Sanderson sisters, for those that have seen it, and they are from 300 years ago, 400 years ago almost in Salem, Massachusetts, all that kind of stuff, and they're bad witches. Okay, it makes sense. I just saw the opening last night, first 20 minutes maybe, and already things are different. You can tell Disney is going for a different kind of uh, moral tone. The first thing you see, the movie opens up with, and I won't spoil it because I'm not, like I said, it's only the first 20 minutes, so I can't spoil the movie. But the first thing that the movie opens up with is an opening in actual Salem, Massachusetts in 1632 or 1652 or something like that. Okay, nothing wrong with that. But the Sanderson sisters, these witches, are little, are, are, are small. They're like teenagers or maybe even like, I think the oldest one's like 16 and the other ones are like 8 and 10 or something like that. And they're shown as like misunderstood people that were really, really um, mistreated by the Puritans, by the Christians. Now, yes, back in the 1600s, uh, as Catholics especially, we would say that Puritan culture could be very rigid and very judgmental. 
And uh, we're called to, of course, be saints and always work hard for our souls and do our best to grow spiritually and never try to sin. We never are okay with sin, but also not judge, also be patient, also forgive, things like that. So yes, the Puritans were very rigid, uh, so rigid and sometimes judgmental that it it, it actually would uh, freak you out. But a lot of people, a lot of the kids that are watching this movie, they probably don't know that. And what I notice is there's a distinct tone of like criticizing the church. Like the Puritans are considered the bad people that mistreated these girls. It's Christians. It's always Christians that are the bad guys now, you know? And so the girls run out to the woods and they find this witch out there, a real witch. And this witch, besides eating, eating children, because it does say in the movie, this witch eats children. Besides that, this witch is seen as like a very understanding, compassionate person that kind of helps the girls out, feels bad that these mean Christians were so judgmental of them and so mean to them, and then gives them all their witchcraft material to become witches. So you're already seeing Disney put the villain of the movie, like this witch, almost like on par with Christianity, like they're both bad. Or like, or like actually you'd even get the impression that these Christians are the mean ones and that this witch is the understanding one who's going to try to compassionately help out these, these, these three girls by allowing them to become witches. So one thing I already noticed, and you can tell just Disney, you know, they're, they're just, they're, their whole sense of morality is changing and has changed so dramatically the last 20 years. I'll say um, that even in the first 20 minutes of that film, like I said, I don't know the rest of the film, but I'll have to watch it. I didn't hear it was that good, <laughs> uh, but it's already changing. And it breaks my heart because I love Disney. You know, I've, I've loved Disney growing up. I love Disney World, things like that. But the way they're going is is sad. So that's my my two cents on the matter. I just have a question, Dan. I, I, I haven't seen the movie, but I know that you said that the one witch is, they say that they eat babies or eat children or eat something children. like that. Yeah. And so that they say that in the movie? Yeah. So so like the whole thing is that the girls are criticized by the church town, town mm -hmm. townspeople. They run out into the woods and they're deep into the woods. And all of a sudden this witch who lives out there shows up and is about to eat them. Cause that's what they do. Apparently they eat kids to, to stay beautiful or whatever. These witches, Danielle. Hello. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> Just realized, uh, you know, she has not said it one word. She's been patiently smiling on her zoom screen. Uh, do you have anything to add on any of these topics? Um, well, I haven't seen the movie yet. Going back to the the movie, um, I haven't seen Hocus Pocus two yet. Um, I wasn't planning on watching it. I've kind of just slowly been starting to step back from Disney just because of like the morality that they have nowadays and what they support and they choose to support and not support. Mm -hmm. um, it hasn't been easy to be honest because like you, Dan, like I grew up being a big Disney fan. Um, but I kind of have forced myself to have that detachment, um, now, but I do want to see it. <laughs> um, but I do, I do looking back at like the original movie. Cause I usually watch it like every year. I've even wondered with the original movie, um, you know, in terms of, should I watch this movie this year? Should I not watch this movie this year? You know, how does it look in terms of things? Cause I've heard different things about what the word hocus pocus even means which of course now it's getting away from me dan do oh you know? um yeah actually hocus pocus comes from an anti-catholic slur yeah <laughs> so that's, that was one the of the 1500s that was one of the things where like when i heard that maybe last year the year before i was just like hmm do i want to watch this annually annually anymore um so sometimes i go back and forth with with that stuff um even though i do think that that movie is overall even though like the Sanderson sisters are like funny and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, they're still portraying them as 
not good in the original that's the good thing is i think they are still evil in general but it's more like they're just kind of saying well look at those mean those mean christians are the ones that turned them this way and it's like i you know i don't know if that's the case (laughs) like so what does hocus pocus mean then oh so um in the 1500s and 1600s um there's a lot of well even after that but especially during those time periods a lot of catholic and protestant uh violence i should say even like they hated each other bad big time right after the protestant reformation and uh, most protestants by the 1600s did not believe in the true presence of christ in the eucharist um they thought it was like a magic trick like they would say how the heck would it when a catholic priest puts his hands over the gifts does it just change into, into jesus you know that's not we don't believe in magic tricks and and when the priest would do this it was always in latin obviously they had the latin mass and when he says this is my body those Latin words are hoc, H-O-C-S, uh, I believe E-S-T, hoc est, this is my body, hocus, like it sounds like hocus. I believe I'm saying it right in the Latin, but you know, those that are more on the traditional side might know it better than me, but it sounds like hocus, this is, right, my body. And they would hear, oh, this is, and they would say, oh, well, hocus pocus, like, you know, this is schmisses, you know what I mean? Like, that's just a bunch of hocus pocus magic trick. I don't believe in that. So it was actually used all the time, hocus pocus, as a uh, insult to the consecration. <laughs> I never knew that. Yeah. Try showing, try showing, uh, you know, <laughs> try showing a Eucharistic miracle to one of those people, you know, not that we're yeah. against Protestants. I really do think the Lord wants us to unite uh, in a very anti-Christian culture. And we, we, there are brothers and sisters, we share the same baptism, but yeah, that was they're completely wrong about that one <laughs> yeah so for me like when it comes to all these different movies because i do like halloween and i like the original horror movies you know like i like halloween like the old original um i like watch that one every year um but i do kind of take a step back and i'm like all right what do i watch what should i not watch um mm-hmm. i'm much more cautious on like horror flicks because i used to watch them a lot um, until I saw one movie that in the movie, and I might have mentioned this previously in a podcast, but in the movie, it said, like, we reject the Holy Trinity. And as soon as I heard that in the movie, and it was, of course, mm-hmm. it was at the end, I just like, had like, chills down my spine. And I went to confession like a couple days later. Right. Um, And after I saw that movie, I was like, I need to be more careful with what I'm watching and what I'm consuming. Because, you know, I've told my CCD students before, even if you're on TikTok and social media and you see these things, like you still can open your soul up to this stuff. Um, You're not just because there's a screen in front of you. That doesn't mean that it's like a window that's blocking, you know, a closed window. You, you're still opening your soul up to that stuff. So I'm cautious um, with all that stuff. Yeah, it's yeah, funny no. that my students ask me the same question, like, is watching scary movies bad? And like, you have to be careful because I'm trying to be balanced here. Like, I've seen people uh catholics that were so on the radical side that they avoided almost everything Mm -hmm. and for me there's almost a little bit of a fear there like i'm scared of the world i'm scared of everything and of course we're called to be like you could be normal people and and you were not called to have fear however at the same time you can be influenced spiritually by different things um and our culture is full of it so it's like it's definitely something we have to pray about as holy spirit for balance and guidance on when when am i okay to watch something when am i overthinking it when when is it really actually gonna be dangerous for my soul so i I totally see what you're saying Mm -hmm. right and most of the time scary movies the intention is to make you afraid and fear doesn't come from god unless it's fear of the lord which and even that isn't even fear so if you're that's healthy yeah (laughs) so willingly exposing yourself to fear is you know i don't know if the saints would do it mm-hmm. exactly exactly mm-hmm. i had someone ask me that in, in my q a session in my my school my class just yesterday 
what about watching scary movies? And I literally said the same answer. Like, I'm not going to tell you to avoid them totally because you don't want to be like like scared of everything and unbalanced. You could be a normal person, <laughs> but just be careful and use your prudence on it because like you said, it's just whenever you're opening yourself up to fear, you're giving the stuff devil to you're giving the devil stuff to work on. And uh, you don't want to like if you're going to bed scared, God doesn't want you to feel that way. God's a exactly. God of joy and peace and love and trust. And if like if you're going to bed scared or the next day you're thinking about all the violent scenes in that movie, yeah, devil's messing with you a little bit. And you and you gave him a little bit of ammo there. So just be careful, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's how I felt after I watched that one movie. And that's why that was kind of that tipping point for me where I was like, all right, I need to be more cautious because this movie really like was too much. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, interesting stuff. Scary movies, Hocus Pocus, nice little warm-up discussion, stuff in the world. Okay, we'll take a quick break. We'll come right back with our topic, Ghosts and Demons, Part 1. Okay, we are back. And during that little uh, that little moment of silence, which we did not hear the music that the audience did, we all literally, every one of us was like head nodding to nothing, which was kind of cool. It was like a bonding <laughs> moment that we were all dancing to the same unheard music. <laughs> Danielle definitely had the best dance moves. Oh, Thank definitely. You. Yeah. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So Ghosts and Demons Part 1. We're going to focus on ghosts in this one. Um, real quick, guys. Uh, so what's your opinion on ghosts? What, what do you guys think? Do you believe in them? Do you not? I just want to get your opinion on it. Yes, and I have in my opinion, and it's just that. It's definitely not church te teaching. It's just what I think. Sometimes I think I think ghosts are real. I don't think they're always looking to harm you. Um, I also don't think they're like Casper floating around, the little friendly <laughs> ghost. But I think uh, sometimes that... I think sometimes when people die unexpectedly and suddenly, their soul hasn't even fully comprehended the fact that they've died, and they're kind of stuck. They're kind of stuck here on Earth. Again, I could be dead wrong about that, but that's just what I think. Yeah, fair enough. And I, I'm sorry, I laughed not because of what you said, but because when you said it, you don't think they're like Casper. Danielle clearly was um, sad. Disappointed, by that. yes. Yeah. I was. <laughs> so it was a funny. I was. Yeah. Go ahead, um, Dan. What do you think? So I personally, just in general, because you said, you know, we are going to talk about demons and ghosts, or let me switch that around ghosts and demons. Um, I never really thought of the fact that those are are different things. Um, so I feel like that might be cool. I don't I can't necessarily clarify, you know, the difference, but maybe Dan, you could for me and for the listeners. Sure, Ant, did you have something you want to say first? Oh yeah, I was just gonna clarify, but then Danielle picked you. So oh, go either, either no, no, way, no, yeah. <laughs> go go for it, dude. Yeah. Well, it kind of reminds me of the whole Saints versus Angels thing. Uh, you know, a lot of people think that when someone dies and they they go to heaven, they say, like, oh, God gained another angel. No, he didn't gain an angel. He gained a saint. So humans become saints. Angels are angels, and they always stay angels. Where I think on the flip side, I think human souls become ghosts, and demons were once fallen angels. So demons were like never human and never never will be human. So I think that's just kind of the distinction. Yes, that's a, that, you're absolutely right. Mm -hmm. And angels and human beings are totally different. Now, in the Bible, it does say that when we die— I believe Jesus even says it in the Gospels. Um, our soul, we will be like angels because yeah. angels are all spirit, no matter, no body, right? We are spirit and body, spirit and matter. Now, we were never meant to only be spirit. We only die because we sinned, right? God intended us to be spirit and body, totally united to him, living forever in this happy, blissful state, which we will. We do believe we're going to enter into at the end of time when we get our bodies back and heaven and earth reunite. We'll be in like a heaven on earth, the happiness of heaven with our bodies on earth. But 
Until then, we do have to die because of sin. So our bodies and souls do separate. They're kind of like ripped, ripped from the souls, kind of like ripped from the body, you could say, which is why death is like so crazy for us because we're not, you could tell it was never really intended by God to begin with. Uh, but because of Jesus and what he's done and how God created us, number one, with an immortal soul. But Jesus, what he's done is death on the cross has merited us to our, our soul does not have to die like our body does, which is really cool. If we have Jesus in our hearts, our soul lives on and can be united to God in heaven um, until we get our body back, which is really, really cool. Um, so angels were always just pure spirit. And uh, when we die, we will be pure spirit like the angels, but we're still meant to get that body back. And we're still, in some weird way, we still have this physical, you know, it's funny. They say when we die and we're in heaven, we're still not complete because we still don't have our body. And it's not technically how we're meant to be, which is really interesting. So um, angels and demons, uh, I'm sorry, demons and ghosts are different. Uh, I want to highlight though real quick, the church, uh, as you kind of hinted at, and does not have an official teaching on ghosts. So the official Catholic doctrines don't say anything about ghosts. We do believe in purgatory. Ghosts in and of themselves, like, you know, like you see a ghost in someone's house or whatever, like the spooky stories you hear, you go to Gettysburg and people say they see stuff all the time. The church says it's up to you what you want to believe. Uh, we don't, we just have opinions on it. If you don't want to believe in that, it's fine. If you do want to believe in it, that's fine. I will tell you most traditional theologians that I have read and many, many saints, I would say even most of the mystic saints, the ones that had visions and locutions and miraculous gifts and things like that, all heavily hinted that ghosts, well, I don't want to say all, but I would say almost every single one that I have read about has hinted that ghosts are a thing. Um, does anyone know how that overlap might happen? A lot of, a lot of theologians and a lot of saints and mystics have said that it's a form of purgatory. I don't know if anyone has any comments on that before I go any further. Not really. I'm, I think I'm okay. learning a lot right now. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Hopefully our listeners are too, yes. unless they knew this stuff already. But um, and you hinted at, at it when you said that um, you think that maybe some of these souls that are ghosts haven't fully comprehended that they've died. The way purgatory works, the way I, I explain it to my students is this. In order for you to be in with God in heaven, you have to be perfect perfect right like the only way to be to, to obtain heaven is to be completely full of god's love 100 your soul is fully open to god's love how many of us are actually perfect when we die <laughs> like not many none none right <laughs> unless you're jesus, mary jesus and mary right well and mary, jesus is god. And mary never died too <laughs> exactly well mary yeah and if she did it wasn't like anyone else's it was like the assumption was not like anything we we would experience right so so yeah besides mary and jesus Jesus being God himself, we there's really no perfect people. Um, so some theologians are of the opinion that every single person who dies, who doesn't go to hell, who hasn't rejected God big time, has to go through at least some tiny form of purgatory, even the tiniest bit if you were very, very, very holy. That littlest, smallest particle of you that wasn't open to God's love has to be burned away. Well, what happens with a lot of us is there's a lot of good people out there. We don't commit mortal sins. When we die, we're not going to turn our backs on God and run from him. Maybe you've confessed your mortal sins. Um, but you still have attachments here on earth. Maybe you're attached to, um, if you're a teenager, to your phone too much. You know, Maybe you're attached to your house. Maybe your, your, your house is where you found all of your peace. There's nothing wrong with finding peace in your house. Like Everyone should feel peaceful at their house. It's your house. It's your home, right? But in the end, what does Jesus say? He had no place to lay his head. Foxes have dens, birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. His peace was completely with the Father. Our peace, if we're in a perfect world and we're a perfect saint, like I said, hard to get to that level, but if we're a saint, 
Our perfect peace should be found only in God, not even in our own house so much. So let's say you have an example, a very uh, nice person who had no uh, major sins on their soul. Maybe they're a Christian. Maybe they, 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 they pray every now and then. They love God, you know, et cetera. But they died and all of their peace was in their house and their soul's just not ready to leave their house. They just don't want to. Like that's where they found their peace. So they die and their soul's like, I'm just going to stay here because I'm kind of scared to let my, let my house go. This is all I knew. You know, God is so patient and he respects our free will so much. Something tells me that he might just let them stick around then. Like he's not going to force them to have to let go of their house if they're not ready to. Now, it would be better if they did. I'm not saying it's okay. It's almost like a small sin, you could say, to be attached overly to your house and not to God. But God's going to respect that. And he and like their purgatory might be that they're kind of stuck at their house because they didn't trust God enough to move on. So there's all kinds of situations like that. One mystic uh, said that um, car accidents, that you need to pray for victims of car accidents because Anthony, as you said – they they weren't really ready to pass. And so their purgatory might be that they're kind of stuck at that scene because they don't want to really accept that it's happened. Whereas, of course, in God's perfect plan, he allows everything. And if you're a holy, total saint, you're going to be able to accept that and move on. And I'm sure a saint would, but not all of us are at that point. So our job is to pray for them so they can feel the love of God and almost feel and see heaven a little clearly and move closer to that light and uh, have more peace. So, um, and I totally agree with you. My opinion on ghosts to end this monologue, I know I've spoken a lot <laughs> um, is um, that, yes, I do believe that ghosts are real. I, I have had, had too many people that I've talked to. I've never had any experiences with myself, but too many people that I've talked to too many theologians and too many saints that spoke about it. And it makes a lot of sense when you think of the doctrine of purgatory, um, you know, to not believe in that. And I do think that if there are ghosts that, that, that would be some kind of form of purgatory. Yeah. And I think as soon as they let go of the house or whatever it is that they're attached to, that's when God will welcome them or maybe even allow them to enter into real purgatory. I don't know. If yeah. That's or get closer to him. Yeah, correct. I don't know how it works. You yeah. know what I mean? But get closer I, to him in some way. So I actually learned recently. Um, so my good friend, I'm sure I've said this before as well. She's in RCIA. And so this past Sunday, we were learning about um, heaven, hell and purgatory. And what we were learning is that it's more so like a sense of being versus a place. Um, so like for purgatory, it's like just like the state in which your soul is in versus yes. like I am in purgatory. Right. Um, but one thing that I do love is, um, you know, that the this past Sunday's gospel was talking about um, fire, like in hell, the pain, the fire in hell. Um, but I do love too how when it comes to purgatory, it's a it's fire as well. Mm -hmm. But it's a purifying fire. Um, and that's something that I really just found um, awesome because it's like fire can be a good thing. It's a sense of purification, but it's also, you know, when it comes to hell, like a suffering. Yeah, Danielle, that's my all time favorite analogy of heaven, hell and purgatory, that it's all the same fire. So the God's love is it's all the same fire. And in hell, that fire is still God's love, but you don't want it. So it burns. It hurts like you don't you don't want to be anywhere close to it purgatory that fire is cleansing like if you're camping and you find water you got to boil that water before you drink it you got to get rid of all the germs that's kind of synonymous with getting rid of anything in us that isn't god you know the yeah. fire cook, cooks it out and gets it ready for heaven and then in heaven it's kind of it's still the fire of god's love but this time it's like you're around a campfire mm -hmm. and like it's it's pleasing and you got marshmallows and yeah. keeping your hands warm i love that you know that's really cool because you're right god doesn't change his love is the same for everybody 
And depending on how open you are to God's love is how it's going to feel to you, which is yep. really, really cool to think. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's a great analogy, Ant. Uh, very oh, well, I got it from Father Mike Schmitz is where I heard it. And I forgot about it until Danielle just said it. <laughs> oh, interesting. You know, speaking of Father Mike Schmitz, uh, he has an interesting um, video. Uh, Ascension Presents has an interesting video of his. It's called I Ain't Afraid of No Ghosts. <laughs> and it's him telling a story of a priest that he knew uh, of a, a, a convent that was like haunted by someone that used to live there and how, how there were masses offered for a certain soul and um, weird things happened to this convent until that soul was freed. And it was clearly a soul in purgatory that needed to forgive somebody. So if anybody wants to watch that, you can just search, I ain't afraid of no ghosts. <laughs> um, and you will find that a really cool story that he tells um, having to do with exactly what we are talking about. So this is not outlandish stuff. This is yeah. not weird, you know, new agey, uh, you know, radical things. I mean, this is a, this is a very, historically mainstream Catholic viewpoint <laughs> about these things, which is very interesting. And, um, you know, if the church has a really strong sense of something, even if it's not official doctrine, because the church is so careful, you got to admire how careful the church is with its doctrines, even with all the saints and theologians, I think this way, the church still doesn't put it on the level of doctrine that ghosts are a thing, but, uh, you can, I, I mean, in my opinion, you could be pretty sure that it's probably, there's something to it. You know, if the church yeah. feels this way about it over the centuries, um, last but not least, I actually wanted to read, uh, the feast day uh, of today's feast day, October 5th, which uh, will it will be the feast day of when this is um, released, released uh, St. Faustina, St. Faustina, one of the coolest saints. Uh, she's most well known for the Divine Mercy Chaplet. Uh, she had visions. She was a Polish nun, for those that don't know, um, won't go too much into her, but she was a Polish nun who had visions of Jesus um, in her convent. She died at a young age, uh, maybe 33, mid 30s, early 30s. And um, many visions of Jesus in which Jesus allowed her insights into the spiritual world that most of us do not get. Uh, she had many visions. She had many um, ecstasies. Um, like I said, the most famous thing that Jesus taught her was the Divine Mercy Chapel. So one thing I want to encourage you guys to do is to pray the Divine Mercy Chapel for any relatives that you have in purgatory that you think are, might be there, which could be everybody, <laughs> depending on how how this works, um, or anyone that you've heard that has passed away, or if you have any experiences with, um, you know, maybe some wandering souls yourself, uh, the Divine Mercy Chapel, great prayer. But I want to read a little story uh, from her diary of a of something that happened when she um, – Uh, that she wrote down that had to do with a soul in purgatory. So here it goes. When Sister Dominic died at about one o'clock at night, she came to me and gave me to know that she was dead. I prayed fervently for her. In the morning, the sisters told me that she was no longer alive, and I replied that I knew because she had visited me. (laughs) The Sister Infirmarian, Sister Chrysostom, asked me to help dress her. And then when I was alone with her, the Lord gave me to know that she was still suffering in purgatory. I redoubled my prayers for her. However, despite the zeal with which I always pray for our deceased sisters, I got mixed up as regards the days. And instead of offering three days of prayer, as the rule directs us to do, by mistake, I only offered two days. On the fourth day, she gave me to know that I still owed her prayers and that she was in need of them. I immediately formed the intention of offering the whole day for her, not just that day, but much more as love of neighbor dictated to me. Interesting stuff. That's really interesting. Also, Dan, I just want to say you might have a second career as an audiobook reader. That was yes. nice. <laughs> yeah. Oh, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> that's com- coming from you, Ant, with your your weather voice. That's that's uh, it's pretty cool. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, any comments on that? There you have a sister actually coming to her, letting her know she's in purgatory, and then she forgot to 
pray a third day. And the sister came and was like, I need that third day of prayers. <laughs> yeah, I think it was funny how she came. And when they told St. Faustina that she was dead, she was like, yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. Yeah. Very funny. Padre Pio had many similar experiences too, which I won't go into. People can look them up. So um, one thing that I'm kind of getting out of like all this conversation is like the presence of ghosts isn't meant to be feared um from at least these stories um versus like the presence of demons but i think that we you know through the mainstream media are taught to fear both and like for me i didn't really know know or realize the difference um it's just interesting um because you know it seems like these ghosts are individuals that are calling out or crying out for help um and and i mean looking back on like just different shows and things that I've watched, it does seem like that is the case in a lot of situations. Like it's always like, you know, they always help the ghost at the end of, let's just say the movie. I can't even think of a movie, you know, mm -hmm. that has that right now, but it's like they help the ghost and then the ghost is like set free. Um, example, Hocus Pocus, the original Hocus <laughs> Pocus, the cat, um, you know, Zachary Binks is trapped <laughs> in the cat's body because of the witches. But when he defeats the witches with the kids, his soul is set free. Um, so he kind of had to like accomplish that. I don't know if that that's probably not the case. Typically, you know, <laughs> that's Hollywood. That would be kind of cool. Um, but you know, for him, he, there was something that he needed to like, he had to go through like that. Let's just say purgatory in a sense, you know, and again, I, Hollywood, but. And I just wanted to say, Dan, that you would remember the one animal reference. In the, <laughs> yeah, in of course the Hocus you would. Focus videos. <laughs> not, that, not that a human soul can possess an animal's body. That would be impossible. And if, it seems like that it's probably something demonic going on just gonna be honest but well which is same... put his soul there so <laughs> yeah it, the, the same rule applies though you're right it's, yeah. it's the same <laughs> idea <laughs> all right interesting stuff guys before we break for our da devotional cup um i wanted to ask you guys what is the most powerful thing we can do most powerful way we could pray for any soul in purgatory does anybody know it i do offer up the eucharist for them when you receive the Eucharist, offer it for the lost souls. Nice. Why is that so powerful? Uh, just because you can't go wrong with the Eucharist. <laughs> I mean, like, can't argue <laughs> the with end. that. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. like name you, something more effective. Yeah, you're right. Because the Eucharist yeah. is Jesus's own sacrifice. It doesn't have to do with our merits. It's literally Jesus's infinite, perfect love entering into our souls. So if you really want to get into it, now, like I said, we don't believe in channeling or anything like that. But when I want to pray for someone that really needs the Eucharist, especially if it's a soul in purgatory, you can almost pretend you're them. You know, say, Lord, I don't want these graces. You can give them to me. I mean, you want to double them up. Great. I'll take them. <laughs> but most especially, please give the graces of the Eucharist to whoever needs them. And I'm going to receive on behalf of them. And I almost imagine that I'm that person receiving it instead of myself. Like I said, I'm, was... not I'm not doing any kind of psychic channeling, I promise, but just a deeper, more creative and intense way of praying for that person. Yeah, I was just going to ask, like, how do you go about doing that? Because a lot of times, because for me, I've learned a lot of this stuff later in my life. Um, and I knew that you could offer the Eucharist for people. Um, like, I think it was actually this past Sunday that I just like thought about my grandmother. Um, you know, when the the host was being consecrated, um, and everything. But, um, you know, I kind of was like, what do I say? And I was just like, you know, I just said, like, I'd like to offer this up to my grandma, but, um, you know, it's interesting. And I love that we can do that. And there's so many things that we can do to offer for people and for people that are dead and so on. And I just think that's so amazing, um, with our faith. 
Absolutely. Good stuff. So we are going to take a quick break. Make sure you offer the Eucharist for anyone that needs it. And uh, we'll come back with the devotional cup. Don't go away. All right, we are back, ready for the devotional cup. But before uh, we do that, I just wanted to say to the listeners one more thing. If you've made it this far, you definitely are a loyal listener. The listeners that I talked about at the very beginning of the podcast, that uh, we have a good base going now. So again, we appreciate you listening and, and, and hanging out with us and hearing from us so much. One thing that would really help us out is if you just share this podcast with people. That's how we're going to grow. We really would like like to grow our podcast so we can continue doing this and grow our ministry. So um, if you feel like you've got a lot out of this over the listens that you've given it, over all the sessions, even if it's your first podcast and you think that it's a, a good one you've heard, please share it. Um, you know, Tell people about it. You know, share it on your Facebook or on your, you know, Instagram, whatever you want to do, uh, it would greatly help us out. So thank you so much. Before the devotional cup, uh, Danielle informed us that, uh, well, first off, right before the podcast, she had the, the uh, St. Faustina's diary, Divine Mercy in My Soul. She just had it in her hand. And I didn't tell her that I was going to be reading from that diary, that I had found a couple entries that I was going to read from. So that was cool in and of itself. Uh, and just here over the break, she informed us that she happened to open up to a certain paragraph and a certain page of the diary that really had to do with what we were talking about. Dan, you want to explain that? Yeah, I mean, you know, I just looked down and I saw, um, so the date of this entry is November 1st. So that's All Souls Day, correct? All Saints Day. All Saints Day. I was like, ah, oh. um, <laughs> it was one of them. Um, so All Saints Day. So I was like, all right, this is probably going to be good especially with what we're talking about today. Um, so I read it and I was like, all right, got to share this. So I will read it. So November 1st, 1937. After Vespers today, there was a procession to the cemetery. I could not go because I was on duty at the gate, but that did not stop me at all from praying for the souls. As a procession was returning from the cemetery to the chapel, my soul felt the presence of many souls. I understood the great justice of God how each one had to pay off the debt to the last cent. Um, and that kind of just like brings everything that we were saying um, or brings it all together. Um, so when I read that, I was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. Have to read it. Um, and that's like what Dan was saying earlier, one of the saints that's talking about this as well. So it kind of just was like covered everything. So I love it. Holy Spirit. Yeah, totally. The Holy Spirit guides these things so well. I mean, that was on the page that you were happy to be flipping through and you had seen it just by chance, which is just really, really interesting. So thank you, Den, for that. Absolutely. Okay. So now on to the devotional cup. Again, we're going to hope the Holy Spirit guides us here, and I'm sure he will. Uh, we have a bunch of little Catholic devotions in this cup that I'm going to shake. We have at least like, like 30, 30 to 40 of them. So I'm going to shake them. Hopefully you can hear the shakes. I'm going to hold it up to the screen, and Danielle, whose initials are Da, D-A, will read the devotional that she sees. Here we go. Our Lady of Good Success. Ooh, Our Lady of Good Success. Very, very cool. Does anyone know anything about Our Lady of Good Success? Is this the one that appeared in Quito, Ecuador? Uh, yep, Ecuador. Yep. Wow, glad you knew that, Ant. That's really cool. Thanks. You know anything else? I know that, didn't she say something about in the future, uh, modesty will be gone? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. She, mm -hmm. So this is a really cool story. It's, it, 
I don't want to keep it too long. We could do a whole podcast on this apparition. It's an apparition of Mary, the Blessed Mother. It took place in the 1600s in Ecuador, uh, in the Quito area, to a um, prioress of a convent, a very holy nun named Sister Mariana de Jesus Torres. And uh, she, uh, her body is now incorrupt in uh, in Ecuador. So her body never decomposed. That's a um, that's a, a miracle in itself. Her cause for canonization is underway. I believe she is a venerable, the second of four steps in the cause of canonization. So a very holy, holy woman with an incorrupt body. She had many appearances of Mary, in which Mary asked for prayers for the people of the 20th century, and penances, and fasting, and offering up her sufferings for the people of the 20th century, and by extension, that would be us <laughs> in the early 21st century. Really cool. So, you know, we can offer up prayers and masses for those those in purgatory. We can also, God is so cool, we can also offer up prayers and masses for people in the past and people in the future. <laughs> in fact, on that note, I'm thinking of a story of Padre Pio. Somebody um, uh, once asked him what he was doing. He was praying the rosary, and somebody said, Padre Pio, what are you doing? He says, "I'm." Padre Pio said, I'm praying for my for the soul of my grandfather to uh, get out of purgatory. And that guy said, but Padre Pio, I think you told me like a couple of years ago that that uh, your grandfather had been released from purgatory a couple of years ago. And Padre Pio said, yeah, he was, but my prayers now are what's doing that. <laughs> yeah, And that's just so cool that you, you know, God's not bound by space and time. Your prayers can go wherever you want them to go, wherever he wants them to go, I should say. <laughs> um, so she asked for prayers for the, those of the 20th century. And uh, she made predictions. The Blessed Mother said, in the 20th century, things are going to change. She said, people are going to uh, no longer um, care very much about religion. They're going to be religiously indifferent. She said they'll be fascinated and kind of obsessed with entertainment. She said there will be almost no virgin souls in the world, no, almost no modesty in women, almost no innocence in children. She said the devil will infiltrate homes under parent, parents' noses in ways that parents of that time could never, ever uh, understand or even that would be shocked to hear about. She said people will not go to confession very often. She said the only times people will go to confession consistently will be at Catholic schools, <laughs> which is really, really cool. Um, amazing stuff, she said. She said the sacraments, people won't go to masses often. And she said there will be a decline in vocations. And she said there will be some scandalous priests. There will be a slight minority of priests that are very scandalous, and it will cause the secular world to hate all priests, even the good ones, which is really sad. How crazy is that? Wow. You know what else she said? She said, in the end, just like uh, at Fatima, she said, my immaculate heart will triumph. She didn't say those specific words, but she said, in the end, though, as Jesus promised, the church will win out. There will be a revival, and uh, I will I will intercede, and things will get better. How cool is that? The way I'm going to relate this to purgatory, though, is um, how many souls today are probably going to purgatory now because they're religiously indifferent or because of these sins like impurity? You know, God is so merciful. You don't want to you want to hope that people don't end up in hell. But I'm going to assume that many of those that don't end up in hell probably today have all kinds of new forms of purgatory, like for being too addicted to their phone or too addicted to comfort or, or the like. Like I said, the impurity, the immodesty, whatever mm -hmm. it could be. So maybe we can pray for um, all the souls today that are probably stuck in purgatory that probably weren't thinking about it because they were so distracted by so many other 21st century distractions when they were alive. Comments? Anything? Dan? Ant? No, I got nothing. I think you wrapped that up nicely. I could be wrong about this and feel free to ignore this, but wasn't her death pretty cool? Like Mariana, Sister Mariana, didn't she die on a boat? Uh, I like don't that? think so. Maybe I just totally made that up. You could have, you know. Yeah. No, <laughs> I, I don't know. I have to look that up. I actually don't. I'm, I don't know. That's a great question. Yeah. Um. By the way, if you, our listeners, if you want to hear maybe a whole podcast on that, because that, that apparition is so awesome, so cool. We can do a whole podcast on that in the future sometime. So let us know, you know, comment on one of our videos. It helps the algorithm if you'd like a podcast on that entire apparition or whatnot or any other topics you think you might want.
a podcast on. All right, next next episode, someone else is going to talk more. <laughs> someone else is going to host it. Uh, <laughs> I know I say that like every three episodes because <laughs> I get carried away. Uh, but hopefully this was helpful for everybody. Any last comments or words before we wrap things up? No, I'm just looking forward to the next one. And Dan, I think you do an excellent job as the host and you're probably going to be the host next time. So get used to it. <laughs> I like how Danielle just evilly laughs. <laughs> yeah. Always. I'm, I'm hoping she's going to help me and say, no, it's okay, Dan. I'll host next time. And she just goes, <laughs> yeah, that's me. <laughs> I kind of feel like we're three announcers at a March Madness game and you're the play-by-play and Danielle and I just offer the color commentary and it works yeah. well. Yeah, but I, see, I like the color commentary because sometimes the play-by-play guy's voice gets kind of annoying. <laughs> yeah, so. well, that's just that's just your cross oh, or it's my cross for having to listen to your voice wow no you're not yep. you're not helping your cause <laughs> <laughs> all right well guys thank you so much thank you for listening den anthony great having you guys as always and um please pray for us we will pray for all of you we are jmj missions saving the world well not saving the world that's that's a really big <laughs> that that's a high standard high standard you know what we're I, gonna say Spread. i think we're saving the world <laughs> well yeah. okay we'll say christ is going to try to save the world through all of us as through our baptism and not just us but our listeners too but what we're going to say is spreading the gospel one soul at a time would anybody like to lead the closing prayer i got it this time thanks all right name of the father and the son and the holy spirit amen uh dear lord i'd like to offer this prayer up for any of the lost souls anyone who has passed away recently unexpectedly maybe they're overly attached to things uh we ask that they are given the strength to let go of what they think is safe and what they think is comfort uh, so, so they can trust you, just totally let go and just go towards you, whether that be uh, into real purgatory or into totally into heaven. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. God bless. <laughs>